Welcome home. I'm John Hernandez, and you have tuned in to the CFA Church Podcast. If you have any questions about CFA Church, feel free to visit us at cfachurch.com. We pray that you would walk away from this moment loving Jesus and changing the world. Enjoy the podcast. Well, we want to give a shout out to all of our locations, Davidson, Adult and Teen Challenge, The Loft, Online, and the home team right here in Concord. Come on, Concord. Let's let everybody know how much we love them. As we, as we multiply, right, multiply services, multiply locations, but all one big CFA family, all one big church family. So uh, today I'm just going to teach you something simple. I'm going to teach you how to die. So really, no, I definitely am because uh, you're going to, and uh, some of you sooner than others. And that's real uh, encouraging. I know now I'm getting all these looks, but I got your attention. And, and uh, right, this is like death is, the, you've read the percentages on death. It's like 10 out of 10. Um, or Jesus is going to come back, but like, we're all going to, we're going to like time and eternity and eternity and time. And like, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere, Right. So like, whether you know Jesus or you don't, you're all going to, every Buddhist, every Hindu, every, every atheist, every Muslim, every Christian, we're all going to spend eternity somewhere. So because everybody's going to die and everybody's going to spend eternity somewhere, I just figured that you ought to know how to do that. Is that okay? Um, and, and we'll try to make it hopeful and, and, and all of that. So speaking about spending, spending time, you ever like kind of track how, how you've spent your time? In case you haven't, um, let, me, let me help you out. So they did some studies on this, and I don't know how super scientific. There's probably some variations in this. But uh, if you live 75 years, if you live to be 75 years of age, you're most likely going to spend around 34 of those sleeping. And that hits you probably one of two ways. If you're a super type A driven Enneagram 3 person that stresses you out and you're like, I'm wasting my life away sleeping. I got to get to work. I got stuff to do. I'm going to sleep less tonight. And then there's others of you like, yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I'm thinking about increasing that this afternoon. I'm probably going to double my nap. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to up the averages, right? And then uh, like uh, uh, time working, Screen time, yeah, that's a hard one to read, right? 12, 12 years of your life, 12 years of your life spent on screen time. Do you get the, I don't know if this is just on iPhone or if this is across different platforms, but iPhone now has the little, it'll pop up your weekly screen time. Do you get that? I'm using, I'm using pa Pastor Steve's 60-inch uh, plasma iPad today because I, I left right across the street and his screen time popped up and it was, it had increased 59%. So, um, and then it gave me the little breakdown. It was like 1% Bible Gateway, 70% YouTube. Um, no, I didn't really do that, but like it was actually for class. He was watching videos for class. Uh, my class, actually, that he was watching those four, but like all of these, and then that, like down at the bottom here, the rest, under the rest, just to give you a little bit of a breakdown, um, my wife will appreciate this first one. She's probably spent this much time doing this activity in the first 15 years of our marriage, but you will spend, who is the main laundry doer of the household? Can you wave at me? Three years. <laughs> Three years of your life just doing laundry. So if you're uh, the main laundry doer, just lean over and say, you're welcome. And say, put your clothes in the hamper. 
so that I spend less time on this. And then, and then a year, a year of our lives, <laughs> a year of our lives just deciding what to wear. Good job, husbands. Don't say amen out loud. But you can get like, you can wink at me. You can be like, <laughs> more than a year, multiple. <laughs> like, but it all, it all adds up, right? We spend like, we spend a lot of time doing things on this earth. But like, you, you think about that in perspective of eternity. And this, this is such a, a lacking metaphor because eternity is eternity. It's just forever. Like, how can you even begin to describe that? But just to paint maybe a little bit of a picture. So it's April. Let's think of the rest of the month of April as your first day in eternity. And let's think of the next five seconds as your years on this earth. Okay, so just to give you a little perspective, here we go. Five, you're born. Four, you're a teenager. Three, midlife crisis. Uh, two, uh, you just retired. One, and you're gone. And so now you've just entered. You've just entered into eternity, for the rest of April, for the rest, of, and that's just the first day. So when you think about that in perspective, how many of you understand that there are things that occurred during that five seconds that in light of eternity aren't going to matter as much? Right, and I've had multiple people tell me like, Pastor, thank you. I've really used that this week. We talked about last week, that phrase, this will free you. How, you remember it? How will my current situation matter in light of eternity? When you're sitting in traffic, how will my current situation matter in light of eternity? Teenager is copping an attitude at you. You can look at them and say it out loud. How will this current situation matter in light of eternity? And then you can add this phrase, and you're about to enter eternity sooner than you ha Like, etern like, it just puts us... It puts us, here's what, here's what having a mindset, an eternal mindset will do in your life. It'll, it'll give you perspective and it'll give you priorities. It's not, watch this. It's not that those five seconds didn't matter. They did. It's just how did they matter in light of eternity? Because throughout church history, you've had like super spiritual Christians that are like, yeah, I'm going to live for all eternity. And this life didn't matter. And this happened during Bible days. And there was a group of them that just went outside the city and went up on the hill. And like, Jesus is going to come back. And that's fun for the first week because you don't have any responsibilities and you're not doing school and you don't have a job. But guess what? The food runs out. And also that's called a cult. So... Uh, <laughs> Paul actually had to deal with this. And he was writing to these people and he's like, if you don't work, you don't eat. So it's not that your grades don't matter. It's how do my grades matter in light of eternity? It's not that my work doesn't matter. It's not that these things don't, don't matter. It'll make some things less important, but it'll make some things more important. And we get perspective and we get our priorities. And when the world is screaming temporary and preaching the gospel of temporary and saying, you got to care about this, you got to do this, you got to, and say, say, I'm not, you smash that alarm clock, smash that temporary alarm. I'm not going to smash anything this morning. Just relax, relax. I'm not going to, I'm not going to smash anything, but we're going to smash that temporary alarm clock and we're going to live with eternal, eternal perspective. Um, our, our ancestors used the metaphor for 
uh, death. And really, I don't even like the word death because the Apostle Paul says that life just gets swallowed up by even more life. And, and so they use the metaphor of crossing the river, crossing the river. And we'll, we'll cross, hopefully, all of us will cross these first two rivers, but not everybody will. We'll cross the river of the Red Sea. Pastor, that's not a river, it's a sea. Work with me here. Same principle. They cross the body of water, okay? So that's your, the Red Sea is your salvation, deliverance of the nation of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of slavery, into uh, relationship with the Lord. So that's salvation. And then they cross the Jordan River. That, is, that speaks to our destiny. And so uh, uh, hopefully after salvation, then we begin to cross into the Jordan. But everybody... Whether you cross the Red Sea or whether you cross the Jordan or not, everybody will cross this third river. You know, we don't, we don't in, in our day, in our society, we don't think about crossing rivers. When was the last time that you drove down the interstate and across a bridge and you're like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. That engineering, that marvel of modern engineering, the bridge, kids, kids, did you, did anybody get a picture of that? Like, unless you're crossing the Cooper River Bridge in Charleston or like this magnificent feature, we don't even think about crossing a bridge, right? Because it's just part of the landscape. We don't think about, about crossing rivers, but think of, again, think of our ancestors. Think of the pioneers that first hit the Mississippi. This is called a major life event, right? So, so you have, they don't even have uh, ferries at this point. All they have is canoes. So what they had to do was their entire family, all 14 kids, because parents were like, that's my workforce and my retirement plan. So they took their 14 kids and their wagon and they dismantled the wagon and they would make these multiple trips back forth in the canoe with all of their supplies. And they'd have the 15-year-old the, the out the right grabbing onto the oxen's horns that, that they had as part of their livestock. And maybe the nine-year-old on the left was grabbing a hold of a bridle of a horse and they were moving across this river and, and if it was early spring in the Mississippi there's chunks of ice that are coming down the river. So you have this, this amazing you know, situation that crossing a, river used to, crossing a river used to mean something. And so that's why you had hymn writers. Some of you will remember growing up in church singing, singing hymns like a home beyond the river. Oh, the blessed contemplation. When with trouble here I sigh, I've got a home beyond the river that I'll enter by and by. I have a home beyond the river. I've got a mansion bright and fair. I've got a home beyond the river. I will dwell with Jesus there. And even though that was written in 1904, that still speaks to me because you got to know that maybe you walked in here and you didn't get a good health report last week or you've got a broken relationship or you got a situation going on. There's still the hope of heaven. There's hope of a future. There's hope of crossing a river when there will be no more pain and no more death and no more disease and no more brokenness and nobody's going to yell at you and nobody's going to tear you apart on Twitter and nobody's going to criticize like we're going to there is a hope so that's why that's why sermons about death aren't sermon for the Christian a sermon about death is not a sermon uh, 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 about uh, uh, about um, uh, this misery it's a sermon of I got something to look forward to the apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 19 if in this life we have hope. We only have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. Y'all, do you see why society and culture and people that don't know Jesus are so miserable? Because they're living for the temporary. 
And Paul says, and Paul says, but he's writing to Christians, right? And he's saying, hey, Christians, if you get sucked into temporary, then you will be more miserable than anybody else because you were built for eternal. And you got eternal in you. You're not made to live for temporary. You're made to live for a greater purpose than you think you are. Something's coming alive in somebody this morning that, that, that you realize you are made for a greater purpose. So I want to learn from the life of Jacob how to set sail. If we're all going to cross this river, how do you set sail? Jacob was the patriarch of the nation of Israel. The father, we hear about, we read about the promises of God, the promises of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Those are not just, not just promises for the nation of Israel, but the apostle Paul tells us in the book of Galatians that Israel's promises are my promises, that we're grafted in through the bloodline of Jesus Christ, that their inheritance is my inheritance. And that's why you can read the Bible and the old covenant, the old Testament with assurance that if it's in there, it's for me. Say it's for me. And, and so we get to read that. And so Jacob uh, has spent some time in Canaan. He had 12 boys. His second to the youngest was named Joseph. Joseph was, was treated horribly by his brothers. Uh, he was his daddy's favorite, but his brothers got jealous. And so his brothers threw him into a pit, faked his death to his father, sold him to a traveling band of Ishmaelites. The Ishmaelites took him into Potiphar's house. He was in Potiphar's house. He found favor in Potiphar's house, put in charge of everything. But Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Joseph ran away. And so she lied about him, said that he tried to rape her. And so he got thrown in prison. Uh, 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 he was in prison and a couple of people were brought to him. He interpreted their dreams. They got restored to their position in Pharaoh, but they forgot about him. And he spent another two years in prison. They finally remembered about him and he got to the palace. And by the way, I just want to remind you that your destiny is the palace too. And even though people are mistreating you, even though your situation may not be what you want it to today, God is at work in your situation and God works all things together for good to those who are called according to his purpose. And so that's why the person that talked bad about you this week, and they aren't even, they aren't even a believer. They were used by God to set you up for greater things. That's why the situation that is coming against you, that you wish you were out of, God is using that in your life to get you into your destiny. So Joseph now brings all the family because now there's, fam there's famine in Canaan. There were seven years of plenty, and Joseph is the second in command, and all of Egypt stores up grain during the seven years of plenty, and now there's seven years of famine, and Joseph gets reunited with his family, this beautiful picture of forgiveness and the family all coming together, and Jacob, the patriarch, who, by the way, Jacob really didn't step into his destiny until he was 90, until he was 90. 90, he, fi he, finally, he finally gets it. And Jacob begins to step into his destiny, and now he's about 137 years old, and his strength is failing him. And, well, let's pick up the story. It's a pretty cool story. Genesis 48. One day, not long after this, the word came to Joseph, your father is failing rapidly. So Joseph went to visit his father, and, ah, I don't know why this is, I was not emotional during the first two services, and now all of a sudden, the emotion hits. But, like, pic picture this. So here's... I don't know who this would represent in your family, like grandfather or the parent, but like the, the patriarch of the family or the matriarch of the family. And, and they know that they're going to be with the Lord. And they're just they're pulling everybody together. They're pulling the sons and the grandkids together. And your father's failing rapidly. And so Joseph went to visit his father and he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And when Joseph arrived, Jacob 
was told, your son Joseph has come to see you. So Jacob gathered his strength and sat up on his bed. And Jacob, this is how Jacob set sail. Number one, you got to know where you're going got to know where you're going. Nothing in life matters until you know where you're going because if you know your destination, then you know your destiny. The Bible says that the root of all fear, according to the book of John, is the fear of eternal punishment. So if you have the fear of eternal punishment, then it's no wonder. It's no wonder that we are medicating our society like crazy for anxiety and fear and worry. It stems from the core of all fear is they don't know where they're going when they die. I'm not saying Christians don't deal with the feelings of fear, but we don't have the core of fear because if you can't mess with my soul, what can you mess with? You don't have control over my destiny. You don't control, like, not only how will this situation matter in light of eternity, but someday when you are standing face to face with Jesus, and when he embraces you and says, well done, my good and faithful servant, it won't matter so much how you were treated. It won't matter so much how you were ostracized. It won't matter so much what you had to walk through. Like, how will this situation matter when you're standing? staring into your Savior's face. That puts things in perspective. So know where you're going. You say, Pastor, I don't know where, you're, where I'm going. Hold on. I'll give you a chance in just about 20 more minutes. And then the second thing is assure the people in your life where you're going. Tell people. Tell people. There was no doubt about Jacob's relationship with, with the father. There was no doubt about his relationship with the Lord. There was no doubt where he was going, but I love that he vocalizes it to his family in these. He reassures them. Listen to this. Chapter 49, verse 29. Then Jacob instructed him, soon I will die and join my ancestors. And he says, bury me with my father and my grandfather in the cave in the field of Ephron the Hittite. And this is the cave in the field of Machpelah near Mamre in Canaan, in Canaan. In Canaan, what does Canaan represent? Canaan represents the promised land. It represents destiny on earth and heaven and the new earth. So, so basically Jacob is saying, hey boys, I just want to reassure you that you may shed a few tears for your pop, for your granddad, but you don't have to worry about me. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt where I'm going. I'm going to see my Savior. I'm going to see Jesus. And when you hit that stage in your life, you don't know what that does to your grandkids kids. You don't know what that does to your kids that is saying, don't worry about me. I'm going on a trip. I'll see you someday, but I'm, but I know where I'm going. And by the way, I'm getting, I'm getting happy about it. I'm getting, I'm getting a little excited about it and I'll miss you. Make no mistake. I'll miss you. But this is what, this is my home. This is what I've worked my entire life for. And so he reassures them and then, and then remind your family of their story of their God and their future. Remind your family of their story, their God and their future. Do you see the popularity now, uh, nowadays of like these Ancestry.com and 23andMe, all of these things? Here, here, here's what it shows to me. We've got a generation that craves to know their history. They crave to know their story. They're looking for, watch this, we find our identity in our story of the past and our blessing for the future. 
We need to live out of the story of our past, but the blessing for our future. And so I just want to say to the, to the older generation, to the grandparents' generation, we may not adopt your style. Like our music may be different and hairstyles may be different and music may be different, but your stories, we, we may not adopt your style, but we crave your stories. Tell us your story. So last week when we went to three services, and I'm nervous about going to three services, and who's going to show up at 8.30 in the morning, and we're not, why do you even have a service, and what are we going to, how are we going to, and two services in Davidson, you're only a year old, who's going to show up at first service in Davidson, and we got like all of this stuff, and when I get a text from Pastor Tom's daughter, Joy, and when she texts me and Pastor Tom and reminds me of how Pastor Tom years ago went to three services, and the Lord blessed that, and it begins, and hearing the story about Pastor Tom's faith fuels my faith, and I know it looks different, and I know the sound is different, and, and, and I don't know why I'm saying this this morning, but this just keeps, keeps hitting me. With each generation, there's a new sound. Every new story needs a new sound, and when there ceases to be a new sound, there ceases to be a move of the spirit. And so you may, not, you may not like the music as much as you like the older music, and that's okay. I like what I like too, but you gotta know that if there's not new songs being birthed, then that means a new generation has stopped encountering God. So the new song, there's a new sound. There's a new, sa there's a new sound, and the spirit is moving a new generation forward. And like, like uh, when we play, when we play, when my wife and I play, uh, hey Alexa, play song quiz when we play that with our kids. My go-to is like, and then it'll say, what decade? 1980s. I'm like, REO Speedwagon, Journey. I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm nailing it, and my wife is, my wife is like 90s, all worship music, but uh, not really. But uh, <laughs> my wife is the 90s, and the, kid, the kids, they're like, they're like, Alexa, uh, 2010s. I'm like, what is that? I didn't even music. Like, I heard that song at the gym. I don't even know what they're saying. So, like, I'm with you, right? Like, we hit, I don't know what age. I always used to say, what age do you hit? And you just stop liking new things. I think it's around 40. I think I've found, I think I've found that age. I don't need, don't tell me where to eat. And you don't even need to bring me a menu. Why would I need a menu? I know what I want. Same thing I had last time. It was good last time. It's going to be good this time. Like, if we get, but we get locked in. We get locked in. But that's okay as long as we are fueling the next generation to take their land and to take their territory. I want you to watch. I want you to watch what Jacob did. Jacob didn't bless Joseph to go back to his past. Jacob blessed Joseph to seize his future. He said, son, you're going back to Canaan, but you're not going back the way I went back because I already took that territory. You're going back multiplied. You're going back with a new song. You're going back with a new purpose. You're going back... And so we bless towards older generation is always blessing the younger generation to seize their future. But younger generation is always looking back and say, I honor the history and the story of my past. So, so this week we're hosting the uh, North Carolina Assemblies of God, our, our annual conference. And there will be pastors all over the state that are, that are coming here. And some of, the, some of the younger pastors, some of them. We'll say, ah, I don't need to be there. Why do I need it? I, here's, here's why you need to be there, younger pastor. If any of you are watching online, just uh, as you're, you know, finished your service or whatever. Here's why you need to be here. 
because your destiny is connected to the story of the people who went before you. And the more you honor your story and honor your heritage, the more God releases you to the future of your destiny. I, like, I know this is going to come a shock to somebody, but the world didn't begin in 2005. There were people who built things before you. You stand on the shoulders of giants. And as you honor that, and do you see, do you see this picture? Do you see this picture of the generations coming together? You got Jacob. You got the patriarch. You got Joseph. You got the son. You got Ephraim and Manasseh. You got multiple generations. That's one of the things that I love about CFA, that I looked all, all the services, like all these experiences. We are a multi-generational church, and there is power in the generations coming together. Come on, give God praise for that. And then the, four, the fourth thing is to bless your family. Bless them with your words. The Jewish people, even today, as an ethnicity, as a group, um, this, is, this is not a, uh, not a stereotype. This is just fact. Wildly successful. Um, so, the, so the Jewish people make up less than 1% of the entire world's population. They have more Nobel Prize winners than any other ethnicity. Uh, very, very successful in banking and entertainment industry and all of that. Here's why, here's why I believe. It's the blessing of the Father, right? But it's channeled through, now watch this, it's channeled through the earthly Father. And so Orthodox Jews, even today... On Friday, the dad will call his sons and will call his daughters into the room and place his hand upon their head, and he will release the blessing upon his children. And that makes sense because we have a generation that doesn't know their identity. And we have a generation that is craving the blessing of the father. And, and here's, here's what I need to say. Um, so, so let me say this. Uh, fathers and grandfathers in the room, this is, this is your calling. You say, but you say, I'm a, I'm a single mom or, or, or uh, the dad, dad has passed away or whatever. Moms, you too. There are matriarchs in here. There's Sarah in here and, and Deborah's and, and, and Esther's. And so this is, this is not a, this is the, the power, the power of the blessing through almighty, almighty Father God. Um, but watch how we've switched this. You can't earn the blessing. You don't, make your, you don't make your sons and daughters earn your blessing. That's called a reward. That's called, that's called privilege. And there is privilege, but they're different. You don't earn the blessing. You give, you release the blessing. You earn privilege. Let me, let me show you how we, we flip-flop this. So we get, we're just giving away. You earn privilege, but we're giving away privilege. Here, you're five years old. Here's a cell phone. Here's a, here, like here, here, you get a, you get this, you get, you get an allowance. You didn't do anything, but you get, you get that. We're giving away, we're just giving away privilege. Here you get it. You're 16. You're fully responsible. Here's the keys to a brand new car. Like here, privilege, 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 privilege. No, 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 no. Uh-uh. You got to earn that right. You earn privilege. You earn the Lexus by driving the 1998 Oldsmobile. And if you show me that you can keep gas in the 1987 Oldsmobile, and you can wash it and keep it from looking like your dog is living in it. If you show me that, then we'll talk about earning the next privilege. And, and, and here's, here's, here's a rotary phone. 
And if you show me that you can be respectful to me and, and obey the rules of the house, then, we're talk, then we'll talk about getting a cordless phone. And, and if, you can, if you can manage your time on the cordless phone, then, then we'll talk about getting a cell phone. But what, we, what we've done is we're just giving away privilege. We're not making our children earn privilege. But watch this. Now, before you clap, I know that's fun to clap for, but now watch what we're doing on the other side. We're withholding the blessing, and we're making our children earn our blessing, earn our blessing based on merit. That's not blessing is never earned by merit. You just give the blessing because if you let the blessing be something that they earn, you teach them about their relationship with Jesus and they got to hit steps to get a blessing. You release blood. Now, now let's give God praise for that. You don't make your children live up to the blessing. You allow them to live out of the blessing. And so here's what you do. You crawl up when she wants you to and when she doesn't. You crawl up on your eight-year-old's bunk before she goes to bed because she wanted a bunk bed. And so you reach over on that bunk bed, dad, and you put your, or mom, and you put your hand on her head and you just speak blessing. I bless you to live pure. I bless you to live courageously. I bless you to fulfill your destiny. I bless you to walk in peace and favor and the joy of the Lord. And that has a way of getting in their spirit and they begin to live out of your speaking words of life over them. And, it, and by the way, it's never too late. It's never too late. Call up that 43-year-old son and bless him. I didn't say bless him out. I said bless him. <laughs> I'm thankful for a million things about my parents and about my father. But I, I knew, I always knew growing up that I never had to earn my dad's blessing. Now, he got mad. <laughs> and I got in trouble. But I never had to earn his blessing. He always, ble I'm proud of you, son. I love you, son. Even, even today when the grandkids get together, me and my brother get together at Christmas or different things like that, before we all leave, he calls everybody together. Everybody together. And he blesses us. Blesses Camden. Blesses Beth. Blesses Caden, Ann, and Asher, and Sword, and Kyan Stone, and Kyan Stone, and Steve. And he, ble he blesses, release, release. Don't ever withhold the blessing. Release, release the blessing. And and by the way, uh, I didn't say this in the other experiences, but I want to say that there's somebody in the house today that you're craving the blessing of a father. Will you allow me on behalf of your father, God, to bless you and to say that your father is proud of you and loves you and just is smiling upon you and you just step into your future with confidence and with peace and with love because you've got a heavenly father that has released a blessing upon your life. Genesis 48, 15 and 16. Then he blessed Joseph and said, may the God before whom my grandfather Abraham and my father Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd all of my life to this very day, you see what he's doing? See what he's doing? Grandkids, God's been faithful to me. Showed up. He's never failed me. I've seen, I've seen days come and I've seen days go, but he's never, he's never failed me. And, and the angel, capital A, it really is a, a picture of Christ there. And Christ who has redeemed me from all harm, may he bless 
these boys. May they preserve my name, the names of Abraham and Isaac, and may their descendants multiply greatly throughout the earth. How many of you know that those grandsons walked out of that room feeling a little more confident about their ability to step into the future? Egypt, watch this. Egypt was not a friendly place to live, but they had a new anointing and a new blessing on the inside of them. And so that's why you can send your sons and send your daughters daughters into a hostile environment, whether it's school or the neighborhood or, or release them to college or on the mission field or into the army or into the Marines. You can release your sons and daughters into a hostile environment when they know who they are on the inside, when they know their story and they know their blessings. So crossing, crossing this river, crossing this river all the way full circle here. One of my favorite uh, depictions of this is, is in Lord of the Rings, the ending of uh, Return of the King. And if you've seen that, you would say, uh, Pastor, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King has 18 different endings. I understand that. But this is one of, this is one of those endings. That like, and you're like, and there's more. And there, there's more. There's another ending. But um, the story, in case you're not familiar with it, there's Frodo and Sam. And they're best buddies. They're the hobbits, uh, two of the main characters. And then you've got Merry and Pippin, who are the other friends. And, and they set out. They're summoned on this journey to save the Shire from evil and wickedness. And Gandalf, who's one of the Christ figures in the narrative, comes along beside of them. Gandalf, in this scene that we'll watch in just a moment, is dressed in white. And, and he's with them all along or most of the time on this journey and they destroy the evil and then they come back to the Shire and they're, they're standing. Now they've, they've finished this part of their journey and all, the, all along Frodo has been writing in his journal and he's been keeping the story and he's been keeping the narrative and that they're, they're at the edge of the river and Gandalf is there and I want you to watch this uh, transition across the river.
said to Frodo as he handed him that journal and he said the last pages are for you here's what the Lord would say to somebody in the house today to somebody watching online today that you have a parent or a grandparent that is a spiritual rock in your life and you're kind of living for Jesus and kind of not and now is your moment to receive that journal the last pages are for you now is your time. It's time to live your story. It's time to not hold back any longer. It's time to live full on for Jesus. It's time to take all of that story and all of that heritage and all of that legacy and you sing your song and I bless you and I release you. It's time to stop walking the line. It's time to, to, it's time to stop looking back to your past and saying I'm just going to make it into heaven because I got a good family. It is your time. Rise up and take the mantle and you walk forward in the anointing and power of Jesus. Write your story, young man. Write your story, daughter of God. Now with every, heads, every head bowed and every eye closed, and can we stand at all of our locations today? Most important question, we'll pray and we'll be dismissed in just a moment, but most important question, you gotta know, you gotta know. You got to know where you're going to spend eternity. And maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, heaven would be my home. I don't know that I have a personal relationship with Jesus. Now is your moment. This is your time. On the count of three, I'm going to ask that heads be bowed and hands go up. If that's you, Pastor, I need a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray for me right where you're at? One, two, three three. Just lift up your hand all across this place at all of our locations. I gotcha, I gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All kinds of hands. 
I want you to, yeah, let's give God a hand for this. These are not magic words, but we're all, this is just the prayer of your heart, crying out to Jesus. He's going to meet you right where you're at. I'm going to ask everybody that raised your hand, pray this out loud. And church family, we're going to join with them. So it's going to be one room, one big room, and we're all saying this together. Let's pray together. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I ask for the blood of Jesus to wash me and to cleanse me. Jesus, I need a relationship with you right here and right now. Let me start over. I want to live the rest of my life to glorify you so that I can live wide awake to the love of God and fully alive to my purpose in Jesus' name. Come on, CFA. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise in the house. Thank you so much for joining us. Here at CFA Church, it is our deepest hope that you have found the place that you can call home. For more information about this community or to find out how you can connect, simply head over to cfachurch.com where you can plan a visit right from the website. It is our prayer that you will continue to love Jesus and change the world. God bless you.